This is an AMI podcast. I'm Dave Brown, and this is a podcast version of AMI's Morning Show, now with Dave Brown. Catch the live broadcasts weekdays from 9 to 11 a.m. Eastern on AMI-audio and AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. Let's get to a preview of The Guardian this week. Of course, you can hear that entire reading program Saturdays at 12 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-audio. Don Dickinson is the producer of The Guardian this week and joins us to talk about a few of the articles that are going to be featured. Hey, good morning, Don. Hi, Dave. How are you? I am well, Don. You've got a couple really neat stories for us today. And let's start abroad, where Thailand has done something of a U-turn on cannabis It used to be very illegal, and now (laughs) not so much. You can get it at market stalls, beach clubs, hotel receptionists. So this is uh, something of surprising news. Walk me through the change and how this came about. Well, talk about a U-turn here, Dave. Um, Anyone familiar with Thailand's notoriously hardline attitude towards drugs uh, will hear this and think, wow, Maybe I'm high on something here, you know, (laughs) Uh, because the country where narcotics offenses have attracted the death sentence and been caught with a joint at a party has landed tourists in infamous uh, in the infamous Bangkok Hilton now appears. Oh, I know. I've read stories. I've read stories about that Bangkok Hilton. Oh, boy. Yeah, no, it's terrifying, right? Uh, well, now it, it appears that the country has done, done a complete about-face, and on June 9th, the Thai government removed cannabis and hemp plants from its banned narcotics list, leaving people in Thailand free to grow and sell it. Why do you think there's been this change? I, I think maybe we can have a broader conversation about changing attitudes towards cannabis, but why particularly in Thailand? Well, Dave, basically, it's the almighty dollar. That's what it's come down to, because, of course, Thailand, like many countries, have been affected uh, terribly by COVID. And so in an apparent bid to attract tourists in the post-COVID slump, the Thai government has decriminalized uh, pot. And now streets are dotted with dispensaries with names such as Mr. Cannabis and tourists <laughs> <laughs> and tourists tell of being offered marijuana openly at the reception of their hotels. Wow. Wow. Uh, I know. I know. Yet the laws around cannabis are far more blurred uh, than this pat pot paradise suggests. Right. We're not necessarily talking about just uh, freedom to wander around and roll one up whenever you like. So what are some of the restrictions <laughs> that remain in place? Well, yes, the government line, uh, and you know, you got to take this with a grain of salt, the government line is that production and consumption are permitted only for medical, not recreational use, and only of low potency marijuana containing less than 0.2% THC, the main hallucinogenic compound. Recreational use of cannabis is discouraged, with officials saying that anyone caught smoking cannabis in public could be charged for creating, I love this, a public smell nuisance. <laughs> yeah, I know. Wow. Uh, well, I was walking outside the Rogers Center yesterday before the Blue Jays game, and there were quite a few uh, public smell nuisances going on. And, you know, Don, I think that is one of the interesting components here, right? Like even as, as I broaden this out a teensy bit, we've seen a huge sea change. Really, I, it started before 2015 in Colorado, but once one U.S. state legalized it, 
basically the entire West Coast legalized it. The majority of the country west of the Great Plains has legalized it. We've seen legalization in Canada since that time. There's been a massive, massive shift. But there are still sort of these unwritten rules or expectations that say, you know, don't fire up in the middle of a large crowd. Don't fire up wherever you please. You know, try to keep it a little bit on the hush-hush. Like even in Colorado, on on the streets of Denver, you're not supposed to just fire up a joint willy-nilly. You're supposed to either be using balconies or or specified areas. So that – but but I, that, sorry, I'm, I'm just kind of like freestyling here, Don. But yeah, as you've been yeah. observing this, how would you describe the sea change that's maybe taken place in the last decade? Well, it, it, it is very interesting, you know. I, I guess um, authorities are in a bit of a tight spot because there's a lot of people that are still very negative on drugs in general. Um, I sit on a condo board um, of a... Um, my mom's old condo. And, uh, you know, we had to come up with uh, all kinds of, uh, 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 of rules mm-hmm. for how, how we were going to deal with this, you know, whether people could, I mean, obviously they can smoke in their units now, but with a condominium, it is a more uh, communal living situation, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, are we going to allow people to smoke in the party room? Are we going to allow people to smoke in the lobby? Are we going to allow people to smoke on their balconies? See, these are all things yeah. that have to be yeah. thrashed out, right? I know, so I know. At, it's sorry, not cut and dry. Yeah, I know. I know, for example, in my condo building, they, they've, they've had to come to a real reckoning because people were allowed to smoke cigarettes on their balcony, but they were trying to ban cannabis. And then a bunch of residents were like, that makes no sense. You, you can't tell me you can smoke a cigarette outside and you can't smoke a joint outside. They're like, oh, but the smell, it's like, yeah, cigarettes smell too. You know, like these are these are all considerations that the people are trying to wade through as there has been the shifting mentality around it. Uh, Don, let's jump from cannabis, plant life, to some different kind of life going on. The University of Melbourne is partnering with a U.S. biotech company to plan a genetic restoration in a special de-extinction project. I'm getting Jurassic Park vibes here, Don. <laughs> and so you should, David. So you should. Uh, scientists in Australia and the U.S. Has launched and have launched an ambitious multi-million dollar project to bring back the thylacine, a marsupial that died out in the 1930s and is trying. They're trying to reintroduce it back reintroduce it back into its native Tasmania. The thylacine is the second undertaking of Colossal, a Texas-based biotech de-extinction company that last year announced it planned to use genetic materials to recreate the woolly mammoth and return it to the Arctic tundra. And I heard your introduction (laughs) earlier on. About the woolly mammoths. Woolly mammoths and saber-toothed tigers and T-Rexes. I don't know. Some of these, uh, some of these, uh, you know, characters are um, difficult to deal with, shall we say, if they get out of control. But why the Tasmanian tiger in particular? Well, it turns out that the thylacine was Australia's only marsupial apex predator. It once lived across the entire continent, but was 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 restricted to Tasmania about 3,000 years ago. It really isn't one of these huge, gigantic T-Rex kind of things. It's more like a dog-like size. And uh, <laughs> you're saying, thank God, right? <laughs> I, well, I'm, I'm giggling here because so are coyotes and they're like running roughshod in Vancouver right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is. Yeah. And, and it's very similar to, to that. It, it is more dog-like and it was extensively hunted, um, obviously, to the point of extension. And the last known survivor died in captivity <clears throat> in 1936. Now, 
obviously there's going to be complications, but they hope to do it. So who knows? Don, I'm, I'm going to make you put on your scientist coat for one second here, your nice white lab coat. And, and I almost apologize, but what is, what are they actually, or how are they actually going to accomplish this? Okay. So bear with me here, James. I will, I will tiger with you. My degree was in English. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cultural studies and poli-sci over here, Don. So okay. <laughs> I think we're both out of our elements. <laughs> okay. The scientists aim to uh, take stem cells from a living species with similar DNA. They fat-tailed Donart. I love that. And turn them into the thylacine uh, cells or basically the closest approximation using gene editing expertise developed by George Church, a professor of genetics at Harvard Medical School and Colossal's co-founder. The new marsupial-specific assisted reproduction technologies, wow, will be needed to use the stem cells to make an embryo, which will then be transferred into either an artificial womb or a Donart surrogate to gestate. So basically, Dave, we are living the future. We learned nothing from Jurassic Park, Don. Nothing from Jurassic Park. But you know what? Still pretty darn cool. Uh, Don, thank you for this. Have a great weekend. Okay, you too, Dave. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Now with Dave Brown. Hit the subscribe button on any podcast platform and leave us a rating and a review. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Juita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.